0: Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. All right, uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce Dave Nixon. He was here not long ago. Did you guys remember that? Thank you, guys. You can come on. You guys, you can come on up. Dave is the founder of Sustainable Faith, and he was here this week, this weekend, with a couple other folks, uh, and they were doing some spiritual direction sessions. Many people here availed themselves to it. It was really great, and we're looking at possibly starting a spiritual direction cohort here with Dave. And you know what? If Dave's here, Dave gets the mic. So why don't you guys give it up for? Thank you. Is it on then? Okay, I'm good to go. Uh, f- thank you for the the welcome, and uh, uh, glad to be here this morning, and I wish I could be here for the four weeks that you're doing. I mean, that's a great intro to it, a way to uh, sort of get up excitement and instill fear simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where are we going with this? Um, the, the last time I was here, I shared a deeply personal story, if you remember, it was a story about uh, a journey with my son, and a journey that involved uh, learning how to release uh, judgment, to just admit that I, as a human being, walk around mostly blind, and I am extremely dependent every day upon uh, the grace of God, and what would it look like just to live in a place of non-judgment, and to... uh, to show the, the, the love of God in in the way that Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5, where he says that, that God doesn't discriminate in giving sunshine or rain. It hits everybody on earth, whether you are just or unjust. And then he follows that and says, so, so that's how you're intended to be. You be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He doesn't discriminate. And we don't either. And so that was the the topic. And I really used as a fulcrum for that this very deeply personal story. I don't have a a super personal story to tell today. And this may be a little bit more uh, a different kind of teaching. But I wanna wanna share based upon some things that I, I heard yesterday because I I met with six people uh, one on one uh, back to back, and then the two other people who were with me in offering this. Uh, spiritual guidance, accompaniment, uh, they did the same thing. So we saw 18 people yesterday and just in conversation without giving away names or anything or stories. Cause we, we, we preserve confidentiality. Uh, some of the themes that came up are themes that come up all the time with me these days. And that's, uh, um, and one of, one of those is just that my life is so full. My life is so, so full, um, and and how do I have uh, a vibrant prayer life? How do I how do I um, deepen my relationship with God? When from the moment I get up in the morning, you know I'm I'm welcomed by children, uh, and and it doesn't stop. Okay, and and when I go to bed at night, I, I try and pray, but uh, I do it horizontally, and within two minutes I'm asleep. So so. What do we do about that? And so I want to say a few things about that. And the first thing I want to say is that um, we may not be a lot different from, you know, those who have gone before us. If you think of people who worked on farms, you know, previously or people who would have to uh, go out and scratch out a living and stuff like that. I mean, people have been busy throughout their lives and had uh, rigorous uh you know, lives, hard days, beginning early, ending late. So I don't think we're, we're that different. Um, we like to romanticize about people in the past just having loads of time on the family farm and everybody sits around and drinks tea and mint julep and, you know, jaws and stuff like that. But that's probably a little, little unrealistic. And people just have always had fairly uh, demanding lives, I think, and busy lives. So... So that's the first thing is that you're not that unusual uh, or special. <laughs> <laughs> the Second thing I want to say is just remind us that that uh, Jesus uh, says a good bit about prayer. But when you when you look at what he says about prayer, um, it tends to be pretty focused over two or three. Uh, let's let's say this. He he keeps it pretty simple. He keeps it pretty focused. And if you want to get to the heart of what he says, here it is. First of all, he just assumes that we're going to pray. Because he says, when you pray, not if you pray. He just assumes that people are praying animals. And everybody, you know, in a, if, you're, if you're in a foxhole being fired at, you learn you're a praying animal, right? When you're in danger, you learn that you are a praying animal, uh, we pray and then he says look don't be superstitious either don't jaw thinking that if you say enough words and if you say the right words that god is going to hear you uh, in other words we're not we're got, we're, we're not playing some divine uh, slot machine of a fickle god we are simply talking to someone we're having a relationship so so he says, let's not be superstitious. This isn't magic. And then he says, uh, don't do it to get attention. This is a relationship, again, and we're not doing it to, uh, to draw attention to our own holiness. He says, uh, be persistent in prayer, just don't stop praying. That doesn't mean that every moment of the day we're conscious and we're, we're, you know, sort of talking inwardly or outwardly to God. But he just says, let it, let it be a, a feature that persists through your day and persists through life. Be persistent. And then uh, the last thing he says is just pray with faith. Pray believing that there is a, there, there is a, a, a father on the other side who loves you? Who is bent toward you in good, and would love to uh, would love to provide for you? Would love to give himself to you? So just pray in faith, and and that's really ninety uh, percent of what Jesus says about prayer. And then you you see him praying, and you see the disciples praying, and uh, if you try and take it. Too much beyond that, you're going to be you're going to be scratching uh, really hard, and so I think that's pretty freeing to say, okay, don't don't get superstitious about it. Don't use you don't have to use a lot of words. You know, keep it simple. Uh, remember that you're talking to a person. Be persistent in it. Make sure you're not doing it to get attention, and just uh, come to it with as much faith and belief as you can bring. And it's like, yeah, I think I can do that. I think I can do that when you think about, like, ways of praying, what I would call, you know, modes of praying, I thought about this, and I think it really only comes down to about four, what I would say, uh, categories or modes of praying. And here they are. Uh, One is just the spontaneous, out loud kind of prayers that that fit the occasion. You know, here's something going on, and I just, I, I pray about it, and I think this is what most of us are used to. You know, we're in heavy traffic, and it's like, oh, God, would you help me to, like, get to my appointment on time, All right? Uh, so that's the spontaneous prayer. In fact, Annie Dillard, uh, she's one of my favorite writers, and she says that uh, uh, liturgical prayer, that there's morning prayer, midday prayer, and evening prayer, and she says it's really simple. Her morning, midday, and evening prayer is this. In the morning, she gets up, and she says, thank you, God. And her midday prayer, she says, is... Oh help, oh help, oh help. And her <laughs> evening prayer is, uh, oh well. <laughs> um, so so that, there's that prayer, the kind that we just sort of make up as we go, and Protestants are really known for this kind of prayer, right? And then there's there's the formal scripted prayer, the prayers that have been made up for you. And you don't, you don't choose. The, the, the prayers choose you, or somebody says, here are the prayers that you pray. These are the uh, uh, more more connected to the high church. And then we have the more charismatic uh, or mystical kind of prayer, which is non-rational. It's praying in tongues, right? Or it could be like contemplative prayer where you just sort of sit quietly and you're in this mystical inner communion with God. And then uh, aside from that, we have uh, praying with our hands and our body, right? My... My work is my prayer. My prayer is my work. Some people, that's how they pray. It's just like uh, I offer my work as a prayer to God, and that seems like enough for me. And so we have these four different ways of praying, uh, none of which is better than the other. We don't want to get into any kind of hierarchy and say, you know, when you you graduate, you'll only pray in this way, (laughs) right? Everybody will pray in tongues or everybody will sit quietly on mountaintops and commune mystically with God. I just think, you know, there's a variety of prayer. And in an ecosystem, uh, the health of an ecosystem is determined by the variety of species within that ecosystem. And I think within the body of Christ, we need all of these ways of praying. Uh, They have to be present. And so we have these four modes of praying, but we also have sort of focal points of prayer. And some of our ways of praying are purely God oriented. I mean, the, and, and song is prayer. That last song, holy, holy, holy. That's about as God oriented as you can get, right? You are not thinking about yourself with that song or prayer. You are, you are riveted on the holiness of God. So some of our prayers are like that adoration, praise, contemplation. And some of our prayers are both sort of God oriented and some of our prayers are, Uh, self-oriented or community-oriented. And so even Thanksgiving, when you think about uh, a prayer of Thanksgiving, I'm praying in some ways as connected to myself because I'm grateful for something that I have. But I'm also acknowledging God as the source of what I have. So it's got this sort of blend of it's uh, me and it's the Lord. Confession would be like that. Uh, Emmanuel prayer, healing prayer would be like that. And then we have some that are like God and other oriented, like intercession, right? So we have stuff that seems to be like oriented just to God, stuff that sort of is a blend of me and God or community and God. And then we have some stuff that is just, you know, it's God and others. I come on behalf of others and pray for them. So again, we have a variety of focal points in prayer. We have a variety of modes of praying it's just all over and i think a trap that we often fall into is like um, i won't be a a good christian or i won't be really lovable Uh, god's not going to be pleased with me unless my prayers look like his prayers or my prayers look like her prayers Um, and it's good to have examples in front of us and be pulled deeper into the world of prayer and the variety of prayer But we've got to be careful not to get caught up in comparisons with other people and say, well, you know, if I were if I were a good Christian, I would be up at 430 every morning uh, and praying for at least an hour and a half. Uh, And then I would shower, you know, and get dressed and have uh, the bed made and breakfast prepared before the first person, other person in the house wakes up. Then I would be a good Christian. You know, let's just... (laughs) Blow that uh, out of the water. <laughs> so, you know, the basic points here, and, and then I want to drive into something that I think could be really simple and life-giving for many of us. Uh, a variety of ways to pray, a variety of modes, focal points. We, we tend to favor one or two ways. Um, it is a given that people who are wired a particular way, they just tend to like praying in a particular way. And that's okay. Uh, But we can be challenged in other ways as well. Uh, So we need to, you know, it's good to learn other ways of praying, but we don't want to get too obsessed about it. We've said there's no hierarchy of prayer, no one way that's best. Uh, Prayer also grows from very small beginnings. If you just start really small, uh, it has a tendency to grow. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in a minute. Also, it doesn't take a long time and it can occur in the busiest of lives. Uh, Comparisons with others can spoil uh, what we actually have, uh, the beauty of what we actually have. And preconceptions of what prayer ought to be like can can rob us of the gift of what it actually is like. So we want to just take it as it is how we experience it. In the end... The end of all prayer is that we grow in our love for God. We grow in our love for others. We grow in our capacity to love ourselves. End of story. That's it. Um, So I want to say something based upon what I heard yesterday, which I've heard many, many times and I myself experience. It's just like uh, I want to talk about how to sacramentalize your life through prayer. That's a big word, right? And, um, no, I'm not a closet Catholic, but maybe I am. You don't know. Uh, I'm not maybe so, so sacramentalize, you know, you've heard maybe in liturgical churches, Catholic, Anglican, Episcopalian, you know, the sacraments taking this, observing the sacraments, taking the sacraments. Well, so to sacramentalize one's life simply means to, to make it sacred because the word sacrament comes from the word sacred. And, uh, and so we'll just take this $10 word and we'll make it into a $1 word. So a, a sacrament is simply a sacred thing, uh, but a sacred thing is nothing more than an ordinary thing that has been linked to God. That's it. There's nothing like special and mystical and ooh, ooh, About it, it's just an ordinary thing that has been linked to God. And therefore, it takes on a different quality. It has a different meaning to it. And so, ordinary bread becomes the body of Christ. Ordinary wine becomes the blood of Christ. Uh, Jesus does this. And so, uh, you know, even saying thank you is a way of linking it to God because when we say thank you, we acknowledge the source of the gift we have. So we have something really screwed up in sort of Protestant world uh, in the way we pray around meals. because and, and I think it's because we're so calorie obsessed or maybe health obsessed that, you know, we're, we're looking there and we're looking at uh, maybe something that's slathered in, in, in butter and then uh, topped with uh, sour cream and it's got cheese piled on it and the whole thing has been wrapped and then fried, you know, and, and, uh, and then we say, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. Right? And, you know, theoretically that could happen, but I don't think it does. I think you just got to call a spade a spade and say, this is going to be really bad for your body. But you know, a good thing you can do is if you say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of this food. Then you have made that meal sacred. And this is what Jesus does. So pray over that fried Twinkie all you want. It ain't going to do no good. But to say, Lord, what a delight to have a fried Twinkie in this moment. My heart lights up and my, my love for you is increased. Right? And so thank you for it. I mean, this is really the Hebraic, sort of the Judeo-Christian way of praying around meals and gifts. So it, again, we've linked it to God and now it has become uh, sacred. It takes on more meaning. I've had two evenings with the Roberts and and I love the the, the way that they begin their meals their candles uh, and 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 Ray gets up and he will he will read he will read from uh, the Psalms he will read like last night it was something on friendship uh, as we gather together with friends and and then there's a, you know the the psalm itself is a prayer but there's a prayer attached to the the, the thing that we read on friendship and and it does have the effect of transforming that meal and how we experience that time and one another a simple thing like that that is heartfelt a funny aside you know somebody said after I think it was the uh, it was maybe it was last <laughs> night that we didn't set a a, a chair at the table for Jesus, uh, Jesus, our guest, because we said, "And and Lord Jesus, you are, we welcome you at this meal." And somebody afterwards joked, "Well, we didn't set a chair," and I responded and said, "I think that's because secretly we're afraid he'll eat too much." <laughs> uh, so, so let's keep it. So, so something becomes sacred when we link it to God, and we can link it to God quite. Quite easily. So all through the day, we have these moments that are waiting to be transformed. Every part of our day is, is just sitting there waiting to be transformed as an opportunity to pray. So let me give you an example of this. I had a, a woman I met with for about a year. And one of the things that she, she uh, struggled with was the busyness of her life. Uh, and so in that she's like 90% of you. And, and at one point I said, Hey, tell me, tell me four things in, 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 this great, uh, uh, flurry of activity in your day. Tell me four things you do that never go undone in a day. You always do at least just give me four things. She thought, and she said, okay, here are four things. Uh, I always have coffee in the morning. Always. I never go a day without having coffee. Uh, My soul crumbles apart from that, right? Uh, Number two, I always make my bed. Some of you never make your bed, but this woman said, I cannot leave for work without making my bed. It is a given. I said, that's great. Tell me what else. And she said, dishes. Before I... After dinner and before I start to wind down at night, I always do the dishes. Four, I always get in the hot tub right before going to bed. Yeah, you could only wish. (laughs) Some of you do. So so those were four things. And I said, those are non-negotiables for you. And she said, non-negotiables. And I said, I want to invite you to do something. Take those four moments and craft Four prayers. That's it. Just craft four prayers. They have to be short enough that you can memorize them. Because you're going to repeat the same prayer every day at those times. You're not going to have the burden of spontaneity and having to be creative and make it up every time. Just do yourself a favor and memorize it. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. On point. Memorize it. Next let that prayer express something of your heart's desire in this season of your life, what you want. And so, uh, she did that and she, <clears throat> she had been uh, also w- wanting to sort of awaken to, uh, more to, uh, the experience of God in her life beyond a cognitive level, just thinking about God, but in a sense really taking God in and experiencing God. So here was her first prayer, paraphrase, to the best of my memory. She came in, and she said, and she showed me her four prayers. And And the first one was the prayer for the drinking of the coffee. That was what she called it. And so she would take the cup in her hands first, and then she would say, Uh, Pray like this. She would say, Lord, as I breathe in the aroma of this coffee, I take in the fragrance of Jesus. As I feel the warmth of this coffee penetrate my hands, I pray that your love would penetrate my life. And then she would take a sip. And after she took a sip, she says, as I feel the warmth of this liquid come into my being and enliven me, because that's what caffeine does. Uh, She says, I pray I would wake up to your presence this day. Amen. Okay, can we do that? (laughs) We can do that. Now, um, she did four more. So, So, and they were beautiful prayers. And the cool thing about these is they're, they're attached to our world. They're not, they're not just up here. They're here and they're here. And that makes a difference. We have to have some prayers that, uh, are embodied in a particular way. So let me give you, and, and these, I would just say are intelligent prayers. Let me give you another example. The so, therapist who uh, I know and struggled with everything that he heard in the course of a week. Do we have any therapists, counselors out here? Uh, No? Okay, so all of you have issues and don't know how to deal with them? (laughs) What? We have one back here? Okay, God bless you. Okay. So, I mean, these are people who often see 20 to 30 people a week. And they hear, they hear sometimes the worst of human life. They're, they're in the ditches with people often all week long. And you may hear some really hard things in the course of the day. Maybe you've heard seven or eight things. And when it comes time to leave, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? And this particular therapist said, it's starting to really invade my family time. I come home and I don't know how to release what I've heard. And I feel like I need a a way to sort of turn things off and go to the next thing. And so I say, well, what do you do? Well, I get in the car and I pray on the way home, God, help me to release this. So he said, okay, what if you do this? In the corner of your office, um, build a little altar. On that little altar, put a wash basin. And put right next to it a towel on one side. And put on the other side a candle. And craft a prayer that's going to look you right in the eye when you walk up to it. And I said, I don't know what that prayer could be, but this is how it could look. So the last person goes out of the office at the end of the day. You shut the door and you walk over to this place. And you stand there for a moment and you just take several deep breaths. (sighs) you're concentrating on your body and your breathing. When you do that, um, if you do a functional MRI of a person as they begin to slow down their breathing and make it rhythmic, do you know what starts to happen? The brain waves change. And if you take an image of the heart, like you monitor that too with an electrocardiogram and at the same time you're doing an encephalogram, you see those uh, start to line up. It's like you, you feel less scattered or disintegrated and you feel more integrated. So, so when you do something as simple as paying attention to your breathing, you pull yourself into the present. You're not locked into the anxiety of the past. You're not drawn, dr- uh, drawn forward into this uh, uh, kind of fictional future. You're right there where you need to be. You are present. And that is the only place that God can meet us is in the present. All right. So uh, he can meet us in our past, but it's our past that is carried into our body, into this present moment. So so we become present to ourselves. We become present to the Lord. You take those three. And then I say, what if you then light the candle? And as you light the candle, you say something simple like, Lord God. You are the light of my life, and I receive that light. And then, you read the prayer that you have crafted, and maybe the prayer looks like this, it goes like this. My Father, at the end of this day, I thank you for my work. I thank you that you have allowed me to enter into the suffering of the people I have been with today. And I thank you that you accompany them as they leave this office. You are their shepherd, not I. You neither sleep nor slumber. And so Lord, at the end of this day, I entrust all of them to your loving care. And I turn now to my family and friends. Thank you. And then you reach your hands into the water. You bend over and you let it splash over your face. And you say, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Something very tangible. And in that, you envision that the Lord is cleaning you. The Lord is wiping all of the the sort of soot of the day away from you. And then you wipe yourself with the towel that's there, you blow out the candle, and you walk out the door. Now, I guarantee you, that is a way better prayer than just hopping in the car and saying, Oh God, oh God, help me to to be more present to my family and friends, right? Uh, It's simple, it's tangible, it's focused. And it is life-changing. And we have prayers all day long that we could be praying that only take a few seconds. They don't have to be crafted, but it's nice for waking in the morning, for taking a shower, for getting dressed, for making a bed, for sipping coffee and tea or guzzling in my case, uh, going to work, you know, leaving work, mowing a lawn, repairing a car, sweeping a floor, changing a baby's diapers, all kinds of things about, you know, the way God, uh, when you, when you uh, give a baby, you know, a child a bath, oh my gosh, the, the richness of that, the way that our Father tenderly washes us, cares for us, you know, uh, it's just rich with stuff. And to d- do a prayer... There, uh, just going to bed at night, it's everywhere. So, so those of you who have children and feel like, I used to have a spiritual life, and I might in about 18 years, okay, again, uh, there can be a whole different way of experiencing God through your day that um, it's not like it used to be. But with every stage in life, God is inviting us to grow in prayer Grow in our experience of Him, and sometimes that means acquiring a new language, a new way of praying. So, uh, I want to finish in a couple ways. One, I want to just say that um, I don't, you know, I believe that that becoming conversant with Scripture is incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable. I think being uh, hearing it repeatedly reading it often, meditating on it, pulling out commentaries, all of that stuff. It's really, really valuable. But I can also assure you that the earliest Christians almost, I mean, they they simply didn't pull out their Bibles because they had no Bibles to pull out, right? They could only go to the synagogue on Saturdays and hear it. And then they had their daily prayers that would recite portions of Scripture. And so, you know, they... (laughs) The, the, the sort of Protestant quiet time, um, th- that was not a part of their lives. They prayed as they went. It was just built into the fabric of their lives. Uh, you know, I forgot this little point, this little part here. So the, the beauty of this is that these are short, all right? And they're short enough to memorize. They're rhythmic. So they're, they're, they're daily. And they're spread out or laced through the day so you get a chance to get reoriented at multiple times in the day Um, they're anchored in the life that we actually have not the one that we wish we could have Uh, and they guard us against just praying purely out of our emotions they sort of protect us from being narcissistic in our prayers Uh, And then the the end point is that as we do this and we say there is God in the drinking of my coffee, God in the making of my bed, I experience God in the washing of a child, I experience God. That we begin to move uh, toward uh, what prayer is meant to do, and that is to see God in all places at all times. That there is no place where God is not. We come to the vision of, of Psalm 139 where it says, where can I flee from you? I cannot flee any place from you, right? I can go to the depths of the sea. I can go to the four corners of the world. I can even, you know, if I ask for darkness to cover me, that even darkness is light to you. So I can't. I find you everywhere. And this is where we're meant to be. And it's a, it's a, great, and it's a great place to be. A great place to be. So uh, I want to invite you now in just the remaining uh, moments To uh, craft a prayer. That's it. We'll just take uh, a few minutes. And you'll have to do this in your heads unless you have a writing utensil. But I want you to think of something that you do every single day. If you want to think of a couple things, that's fine. But just get something in your head right now. I'm going to pray for you in a second. And then just sit quietly and say, how could I take that moment that's recurring And and link it to prayer so that it becomes sacred. And what is the prayer, Lord, that emerges from my heart that's sort of attached to something I really desire? So let's take a moment and do that. And I might ask for one or two of you, if you're bold enough, to just share that. And then we'll um, we'll call it a morning, okay? So, Lord, uh, now meet us in the life that we have. Help us to do right now, Lord, just a quick review of our day, a typical day. And Lord, give us the grace to light upon uh, something that feels uh, just solid there. And then, Lord, uh, give us a prayer that we could tie to it to make that moment sacred and to uh, orient us towards you. I'd love to take uh, more time, but I'll probably need to to end here. What? Uh, anybody care to share? What came to your mind? An event? You know, uh, anchor point in your day, Justy. So, making the bed. Making the bed. Yeah. Thank you for new light. Thank you for strength in my arms. Let my hands work for you today. Let my heart beat for you today. Let my feet walk for you today. Thank you for bringing chaos into order as you teach me to order my day. Oh, that's beautiful. Is is your handwriting legible? I think so. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you for the new light. Thank you for the strength in my arms. Now imagine yourself making the bed. Okay, you've woken up, and this is the first thing you do. And so light has greeted your eyes. You're in motion. Thank you for the new light. Thank you for the strength in my arms. Let my hands work for you today. Let my heart uh, beat for you today. Let my feet walk for you today. As you're walking around the bed and doing both sides. I mean, this is beautiful. Thank you for bringing chaos into order as you teach me to order my day. That's that's just a brilliant example of how we can take a simple moment in our day and sacramentalize it. Thank you. Don't be intimidated. She's an English, you know, uh, lit person. Okay. And poet. So, uh, dear God, help me. <laughs> That's okay, too. All right. (laughs) Anybody else? Ray? um, (coughs) One of my first actions in the morning, I I live in a home where people stay up later than I do or that my wife does. So when I wake up in the morning, there's stuff strewn about the common living area. You're not bitter, though, are you? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> there is stuff strewn about the common living area. Common meaning you you have to be there, too. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, living room's a mess. Yeah, so living room's a mess. <laughs> so, I, so I straighten it up. Yeah. And it's a normal morning activity. Okay. And uh, so i uh, not nearly... Jesus, thank you for the home that we share and the life that we share. And we welcome the disorder that shared life brings. Wow. May I, just in case somebody had a hard time over there. Okay. So as he uh, straightens up the messy living area in the morning, thank you for the home we share and the life... uh, and the life, yeah. We welcome the disorder. Oh, and the life we share. So let me start from the beginning, because uh, you threw in those couple words way over on the side and below. Yeah, okay. So, Lord, thank you for the home we share and the life we share. We welcome the disorder that shared life brings. Uh, that's that's great because if you if all of a sudden you take the disorder and and you bring it into this thing of shared life, and you thank God for it, rather than thinking, you know, what a bunch of slobs. Why can't they be more respectful? Uh, that will change the way you enter your morning. So so these prayers are life-changing. And, and I'll just leave you with this. If you begin with two or three very simple prayers, God lights a fire in you. And that fire grows, and you will find that you will begin praying Uh, just spontaneously prayers like that at other points in the day. You will develop the the kind of skill and grace of sacramentalizing your day. So bless you to receive this Uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.